you stand as we read the word. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 23 through 24. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what liberty tonight. Second Chronicles 18, verse 23. The Bible says, In Zedekiah, the son of Shanana, came near and smote Micaiah upon the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak to thee? And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see on that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. The Bible calls it, Jesus calls this inner chamber a secret place. The secret chamber. Zedekiah came to Micaiah, smote him upon the cheek, and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I'm going to talk to us from these two portions of Scripture. We're going to allow the Lord to talk to us tonight. Amen. Amen. If we can get where He's wanting us to go, I believe Thursday is going to be a party. Because we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, Father, I ask you for your anointing to rest upon me one last time. One more time tonight, I humbly ask you. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Lord, for who you are. I ask you to anoint my lips to speak your anointed word. Anoint the ears of your people tonight to hear. Let it fall on good ground tonight. I said in the name of Jesus, let it fall on good ground. We give you the praise for it and the thanks in the name of Jesus. Can the church say amen? You may be seated. The context of what I just read to you tonight can be very simple, but yet you can be get very much in depth with it. It's a story of two kings. Therefore, if there are two kings and there are two kingdoms, these two kings have made an alliance with one another. Right off the bat, that is something that should never happen because you cannot align yourself if you are a part of another kingdom. If you are a part of the kingdom of God, you have no place in the kingdom of this world. You have no place with the kingdom of hell, no matter how it looks or what you feel at that moment. But here, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, as this kingdom of Israel had split into two places, they had aligned with one another. The Bible says in verse 1 of 18 that they done this by marriage. Because what you bring into your life and what you allow, what you mix your faith with, becomes something that you marry yourself to. It may not happen on the day you do it. For on the day Adam and Eve partook of the fruit that they did not die on that day. But sooner or later it began to show if it did not show right away. But these two kings had aligned themselves together. And one king named Ahab, he had decided to go into this battle. He wanted to invade a country. And he says, since we are on the same side as so it seems, won't you go into the place with me? You see, Jehoshaphat went along with it. The Bible says, I believe it is in verse, yeah, verse number one, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. But then the very next phrase tells us that just because he had riches and honor, 
And he had grown with things around him of this world and looking as the blessings of God. But because he aligned himself with a carnal king, he did not, was not rich in wisdom and he was not rich in the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us that Ahab says, I will inquire of my prophets. The Bible tells us 400 prophets of Yahweh, the first kings tells us, that came to him and said, God will be with you, so I want you to go ahead and go, and he will deliver it into your hand. But although Jehoshaphat was a backslidden man, so to speak, although Jehoshaphat did not have it all together, there was still something there that caused him to say, this just doesn't feel quite right. I don't know what it is. I don't understand. But is there any other prophet around than these 400 who all of a sudden come and agree and are seen to be telling you exactly what you want to hear? And John Ahab said, well, there is one king, and his name is Mechakiah. But this prophet I hate very much. He literally says, I hate him because he never prophesies anything good to me. So yes, Micaiah comes and prophesies unto Ahab and verse 16 tells us that he said, I see Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep having no shepherds. And what I see, the Lord answered and began to explain. He says, these sheep have no master. And they and then let them run, therefore every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Ahab said, did I not tell you that this man would not prophesy good unto me, but evil. We find as we read later on that what was going on in the minds and the lives of these 400 prophets, that they had a lying spirit upon them. The Bible does tell us if we don't love the truth, if we don't sell out to what the Lord says is holy and what he has given us in these wonderful pages, that there will be a delusion that comes to people who claim to be preaching the word of God, who claim to say, and the Lord spoke to me, but they are operating, yes, in a spirit, but the Bible says they had a lying spirit. If you don't love this truth tonight, Oh, what a sad day it is when you wake up one day and begin to wonder where the Spirit went from my life, where the Spirit went from my house, why are my kids acting the way they're acting, and why is everything falling apart? I decided a long time ago, and I made up in my mind that I'm going to buy this truth and not compromise for anything. I feel sometimes, and I'm sure you do as well, of that you feel I'm one out of 400, it seems. It seems everybody else is saying something else. I'm not even talking about other places. I'm talking about sometimes in our circle. Can I get real tonight? I'm talking about it may get weary for some of us when we say maybe it doesn't matter as much as I thought it mattered so many years ago. But the further I step back from this Bible and just keep my distance just enough so I can see it, sooner or later I'm going to get so far that my children will have any idea what it says, any idea what it means, because they can't see it if they are not held on close to it Zedekiah walked up more than likely he was not sincere when he asked this question which way went the spirit of the Lord from me if it didn't show us that he smacked him across the cheek my goodness what a man Micaiah is to stand there 
and take something like that. But I didn't come here tonight to give you a bunch of commentary. Although that is important, I'm not here to give you a Bible study. I'm here to what the Lord, the word of the Lord has asked me. If we can get to a place to answer this question or prevent us in the future forever having to answer this question, which way went the spirit of the Lord from me? How did I get to right here in frustration? Because when you're not in the spirit, the flesh always acts out. It does things with his hands. It says things with the body language. It speaks out in secret places about others. More importantly, can we find out where it was? And I hate sin. I'm not here tonight to preach against sin. You know what sin is. I've seen sin destroy families. I've seen sin stray away children. I've seen sin deceive others and become in bondage. And I've had friends and family that haunt me to this day. Have I seen where they once were with God? And now they have so piled up with things around them trying to find out where the Lord is because of sin is all around. Trying to dig themselves out of places. I hate it. But more importantly, where did it start? When a man wakes up and finds himself in sin, it started way before that somewhere. You don't just wake up one night and murder somebody. You don't just wake up one night and steal and lie and cheat on your spouse. No, but long before that day happened, there was something else going on way before. And if you could come to a place tonight of which way did the Spirit go from me, then you will find that God is standing there with his grace and mercy because sin does abound everywhere. But where sin abounds, grace does that much more abound. If I did not believe that tonight, I would not be standing here. But I believe with all of my heart that God is calling out tonight to the Pentecostals of Dothan and asking somebody, will you come back to that place where the sin or the spirit once left you because I'm still there. That's why the Holy Ghost is so important. Uh, it's not just a good idea. It's not just something for me and not for you. It's not just only for a select few. No, it is what is required of the church of God. You can't go to heaven without the Holy Ghost. You can't have a relationship with him without the Spirit of God inside of you. Paul said in Corinthians that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. If you want to go in the rapture of the church, Church, you better have the Holy Ghost tonight working in your life. The Bible says if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then he that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Hallelujah. Which way went the spirit? He says you'll find out when you enter into the inner chamber. There's a pattern tonight of the spirit that departs. There's a pattern in someone's life. You see it, and once you know it, you'll see it all the time. That's why it's so important to lift each other up in prayer. It lift each other up in encouragement. This pattern of the spirit departing is very tragic and is very real. Samson, he was born, he was prophesied 
to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. That was his calling from the very from the very beginning before he was ever born or brought into this life. He was born a covenant man. He was born separated from the world unto God. Is anybody tonight thankful that before you were ever born, God knew who you were? I'm not talking about the things you've had to go through and the tragedies and all the things that go on in our life living in this world, but knowing that God called you, set you apart from the very beginning. So Samson was that man. He was a covenant man. He lived, but they're also coming with a covenant comes relationship with the God of the covenant. I love doctrine from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, but more importantly than doctrine is knowing that there's a God of this doctrine who is, wants me to draw close to him and live for him. All through the life of Samson, we see over and over again his selfish pride and his selfishness, never giving to the spirit until that one day that he, the enemy was waiting in the inner chamber. They were waiting there in the inner room. They come to this woman named Delilah. And Delilah, the Bible says Samson loved her. And he began to fall into this trap and began to fall because he had done many great things for God and God had not smote him yet. He picks up a jawbone of a donkey which the Bible tells us he was not to touch any dead thing. And he began to do many mighty things for God and it seemed that God was still blessing his life until he found himself in a relationship Relationship with someone he should have not been with because when you begin to mix your faith with something you're not supposed to be mixing it with or living with it's all downhill from there but Samson found himself with this woman who had one objective and that was to find out where his strength lied where does it really lie where can I find the starting point? Where can I just make it all collapse? I've got him now. He shouldn't even be with me. So I know it's there somewhere. So I'm going to try and I'm going to woo. I'm going to talk and I'm going to entice. I'm going to over and over again pound in his head until he's just tired. He's sick of it. He's tired of hearing it. How many times have we come into temptation and things in our life and weak moments and when you say, I'm just sick of hearing about it and you just give in to it. Let me tell you something tonight. The devil would love you to think and love you to believe that he just wants a little bit. He just wants a little bit of your standard and your walk with God and your holiness. But the devil never is satisfied with just a little bit he wants it all he wants everything that you have he wants your children he wants anything that can ever come from you or be birthed from your ministry yeah. oh, thank you Jesus hallelujah hallelujah so Samson answered her and said, if you take seven green whips, something that wasn't dried, some strings, and you that you, I shall be weak as any other man. But then the Philistines come from the inner chamber, and they begin to come upon him. And then um, so, um, um, Delilah cries out and says, Samson, um, the Philistines are upon you. So Samson shakes himself out of that moment and gets right back to what he's always done with the strength of the Lord. Delilah said to Samson, he said, behold, you're mocking me, and you told me lies. Now tell 
me, I pray thee. Where does your strength lie? Where is the mightiest that you can be bound? And he said unto her, well, now, if you bind me fast with new ropes that were never occupied or used, then I shall be weak, and I, then shall I become as any other man. But then Delilah took the new ropes, and she bound him therewith, and said unto him, Samson, the Philistines, be upon you. And they were liars, and they were waiting out in the chamber. And they came, and he broke them from the arms like a thread. He shook himself from that place and said, Ah, get off of me. I'm not worried about that. I've done it many times before. And then finally, finally, she comes to him and says, You've mocked me again, and you've told me lies. And he says, Well, if you weave my hair with seven locks and my head with the web, then I shall be as any other man. So Delilah done so. And the same thing began to happen. And it came to pass, though, when she pressed him daily over and over again with her words and urged him and his soul was vexed and he just couldn't took it anymore because he didn't have a connection with the spirit there was already a time that he had walked away and he had not knelt his knee to pray he had not read his bible he had not talked to the lord any and he couldn't take it anymore because that strength that the holy ghost gives you if it leaves you you will fall into the ugliest of things and situations that's why the holy ghost is the most powerful force this world has ever known and it is the only thing that can deliver somebody from sin. And finally, finally, Samson gives in. And he says, you know, I'm a Nazarite. You know I'm not like everybody else. There hasn't been a razor touched to my head since the day I was born. I have been a Nazarite from my mother's womb. And, but if I be shaven, if you take this vow away from me, this connection with God, that is the one thing that keeps me close to him. That is what's been keeping me all this time. Samson was so delusional. He was such in a place that he didn't even realize what he was saying. That the very thing that was keeping him alive, the prayer of his mother and the promises of God he gave into the hands of the enemy and when Delilah saw that she had he had told her his heart because the enemy knows the difference when you give it all to him the Philistines came brought her the money in hand and she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and she began to afflict him and went from him. And out of all the tragic verses in the Bible, and there's some tragic verses in the Bible, depart from me, you that work iniquity. To hear the Lord say, I never knew you, and you're sitting here in this church. With the greatest of teaching. Unperverted teaching of God. To hear Jesus say one day, I don't know who you are. all the tragic verses. This one strikes the most. That when the Philistines, Judges 16 and 20, Samson, the Philistines be upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as times before and shake myself from this. But Samson did not know that the Lord was departed from him. How did he not know when the Spirit left him? And when that moment happens, what happened to Samson will happen to any of us here in this place. If we do it, my God, we've got to get a hold of God. 
Oh, what an urgency. Oh, what an urgency right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Ah, thank you, Jesus. If you hadn't knelt, if you hadn't knelt to pray in a little while, well, hallelujah. What a dangerous place to be. His eyes were plucked out. There was no vision. He couldn't see. But the scripture, what I see, and what I feel like the Lord is leading us into, that he knew where to go, and he understood somehow in his mind when the Spirit left him. He goes back to his calling for what he told Delilah. He told her, I've been a Nazarite from my mother's womb. He knew from the very time I was a child that I was different. I knew from the very time that I was a child that I was called. But now can you bring to me a lad and bring me back into the pillars. Bring me back to that place one more time that I can put my hands upon it and I can feel it one more time. Samson knew where to go when it all came crashing down. And that's what the mercy and grace of God can do to someone. When they say, I don't know what's going on right now, what's going to happen in the future. But I know without a shadow of a doubt and who I've believed. And I believe tonight in the God who has foundations. The God who died for my sins. And he has only one way. So if you can bring me back to that One more time. This pattern goes on. Losing the vision. Walking into 1 Samuel. Where there was the prophet of the time. His name was Eli. The Bible tells us 1 Samuel chapter 3. The Bible tells us that. There was no open vision. The word of God was rare in that day and very precious because there was, a, there was a pattern that was going of someone who had let the spirit depart from them, who had walked away from them. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, there was no open vision. Before this, Eli had, had an encounter. It picks up here where he's mentoring and taking care of Samuel. But before that, this man Eli, who was the leadership of that day, come in contact, walked into the temple, and saw this woman who could do so much agony and reaching for God and not satisfied with what they did every day in the temple, could not even open her mouth, could not even utter words. Eli walks in and sees her, and he doesn't even recognize the spirit moving on somebody. It's because his vision was not just because it was dim of old age. It's because it had been a long time since Eli had even seen what the spirit really was. It's because of those times, the tragedy that was coming. But God, I'm so thankful he honored the prayer of this woman, Hannah. I'm so thankful that he says, I will make a miracle in your life. And then in 1 Samuel 3, we see where Samuel is in, um, Samuel is in the house with Eli. I remember the many times that God had dealt with me 
I was reading this passage today, I could not help but remember that the times that before I had any children and I had just been married to my wife, that God gave me a dream one night and I saw my son at about three years old walk to my bedside and he says, Daddy, I hear voices and I don't know where they're coming from. And I understood how I was as a child, hearing the Lord call me and talk to me. And I said, we'll go into the other room and we'll begin to pray and hear the Lord. That's what God does in a life of someone that's what God is wanting for this generation for this church and for these children for Samuel heard the voice of the Lord in that place Eli was a man of covenant very necessary but you better have the spirit with it what am I talking about tonight I'm talking about good for you if you received the Holy Ghost 50 20 30 years ago what are you doing right now for God is it moving in your life is it working in your family are you listening to him daily is he ordering your steps are you just telling the children go back to sleep that's nothing you're hearing things and dreaming things are we not that sensitive what God is wanting to do. The God of the doctrine. You better know the God of the doctrine. Paul tells us, watch in all things in the book of Timothy. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. I'm going to say it again. Watch in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. That was a time where there was no vision. A time but God moved on a boy. Moved on a child. And began to talk in his ear. When you're sleeping at night. Hey. Hey. Waking you up. Ah, waking you up. Saying why don't you come here for a little while and talk with me. The Bible says it doesn't end there. With no spirit. But God returned and appeared again in Shiloh. And revealed himself unto who? The boy Samuel. Revealed unto Samuel because one man, one boy was not satisfied. What a tragedy it is for a man to stand up and say, Ah, that's nothing. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. He's still speaking in 2023. Hallelujah, waking up at 2, 3 in the morning what, for no reason. No, he's still speaking to us in 2023. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter who, who the, everybody else says you need to wait till you're older. No, God can use anyone at any age because that's his business. It's not mine. I dedicated my children to the Lord. He can do whatever he wants with them. I am not there to judge, but I am the one to say, son, let's go pray for a little while. Let's go see what God would say tonight. And when he talks to you, don't you be scared to say it or believe it. The Lord appeared again in Shiloh and God came back. The spirit had left. There was no vision, but God came back because one child, one boy decided I wanted to bow my knee. I'm going to talk to him daily. I'm going to find out where he is at. Lift your hands with me right now. Let's ask him to help us. Oh, there's nothing like the Holy Ghost. Uh, it's for you tonight if you don't have it. Oh, thank you. Let me minister to your spirit tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, 
Jesus. Uh, some of y'all are thinking right now. Uh, you remember when he called you? <laughs> you remember that day? He hadn't forgot it. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, bring us to remembrance right now. In Jesus' day. I remember February 2020. First time I've ever done this. The only time I've ever done this. My pastor from time to time would have about three ministers speak in a service. And I was, he asked me to be the last one to continue to end the service and I did. <clears throat> and I got up there, and the Lord didn't give me a whole lot that week. And it was, I didn't have a whole lot. What was, the Lord was talking to me about some things, but it was nothing I felt to share with the church. But He kept bringing me back to remembrance. He kept bringing me back to a child. He had showed me some stuff, and I didn't understand it completely. But what He was showing me was Do you still want this that I offered you? when you were a small child. And I said, well, of course I do. God called me to preach very verbally. And I was 14 years old. I didn't preach till I was 27. No one's fault but mine, but oh, God's hand was on me. Because it's a very serious thing when you, for the first time, take these three steps. Very small to man, but very big in the kingdom, in the spiritual realm. But that night, that's all he kept remembering me. But So I sat over here on this side with two other ministers who were very new. And the first one got up and he preached on praise. And I was like, well, that's good. And he did a very good job. He's a friend of mine still to this day. He done a good job and the people were with it and they were clapping. And I said, well, you know, you told all the time. You're always told your sermon better go like this with theirs. So I was going, well, I'm not even nowhere close. So I said, well, that's okay. And then another boy came up. I can't remember his last name, Foster, I think. He's about this high, but he was a stick of dynamite. And he got up there, first time ever preaching. And I've seen people doing things I've never seen them do. I'm standing up here watching. People are kicking it, and they're running, and they're shouting, and things are coming off, and I'm going, my goodness. So I was very confident as I stood down here, because everybody else was dancing, so I better get down there. I was very confident that my pastor was going to dismiss service and let me off the hook. But then he walks up and he says, I thank God for Preston and Katie. And I was going, great, here we go. I'm standing there going, Lord, I didn't have anything like that. But I have to do what you've asked me to do. So I stood up there and I took my text, Psalms chapter 73. And I said, truly God is good to Israel, even to such that are as of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone and my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he goes on talking about the things that they were getting away with and how his mind wasn't on the things of God. And just for a moment, it shows us that this man Asaph could slowly become from being a prophet of God and a worship minister. See, the devil doesn't care if you're up here playing instruments or singing for God. As long as you're not doing it in the spirit, he don't care what you do up here. He don't care if you're teaching Sunday school. As long as you're not in the spirit, he's not interested in any way he can get Get your flesh as long as he just gets flesh. That's all he wants. 
But we see here how quickly someone's mind can be turned and be varied and swayed away from the things of God. He said, I saw the wicked, the things they were getting away with, and I knew my feet were almost gone. Hey, verse 17 says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood therein. Surely thou didst set those wicked people in slippery places and cast them down into destruction. Oh, as a dream, when one awaketh, You can get so used to noises that you never wake up. I moved to Troy, new noises. If I heard noise, if I heard ambulances and um, excuse me, sirens in Provencal, Louisiana, I would have been up wondering who was hurt. But here I hear them every night. So sooner or later, it drowns out and you stay asleep. But he says, as a dream, I awaketh. And I preached that that night. And I began to talk about some things that God had remembered me or brought into my remembrance. When I was nine years old, a very best friend of mine, she was my aunt. She was 21 years old, and I was nine years old. And I don't know if I've never talked about it since, except maybe a little with my wife. But I talked about it a little bit that night. And I said, no one really realized how close I was to her. No one really realized how much she understood me. But the, she died in 1998 when I was nine years old. And no one understood really what I was going through. But I can't really put any blame on anybody because I didn't lose a daughter. I didn't lose a sister. I didn't lose a wife. And I understood that. Yes, he's upset. But God got a hold of me in such a way that I began to understand death, I believe, ahead of my time and age. But what, what was happening a few months prior to that is God moved on this nine-year-old boy that you say standing here today. And he began to draw me close to him. And I began to pray and seek the Holy Ghost and ask. And I knew the desperation that was on my life that I needed to get the Holy Ghost at this very moment. Yes, there was some telling me you can wait till you're older. Don't get so hard on yourself. But I said, no, I gotta get it. I've gotta get it. I can't let the Lord, the trumpet sound if I don't have it. I didn't understand everything about it. But I knew I needed the Holy Ghost. Where is that urgency today? God, I need your spirit every day. Why I need you every day? But what God was setting me up for was her death just two months later. God was teaching me to look up. He was teaching me to get radical about the Spirit. So that's what brought me through those times. And I understood that she was in a better place. And God understood. God knows all things. And it brought me to this place and to understanding. But it was very accepted that night it was nothing like the other men that preached but I did what God had told me to do I'm all about praise but what about relationship and I, I did what he asked me to do and it was received but I don't know if it was received with the urgency that I was preaching it because just a few weeks later do you know that the country decided that the government said you can no longer go into the churches and worship you can no longer do the things that you're used to doing and how many people went back to their house house losing that connection that tradition that every Sunday every Sunday I'm here I feel good that I can go home and I can do better I can do anything else how many people went back to their house and was wondering where the spirit where was it at how many people didn't come back because of that because something that was severed very very very, very from, from one point to another from one time we got to look up 
We got to get in the spirit. We got to love this thing with everything that we got. Oh, we can't do it. Samson knew where to go to get it back. Eli understood what happened when it came back. God appeared again. God showed mercy and grace. Asaph, though, was looking in this first chapter. The next chapters that Asaph wrote was not anything about what he wrote there. There was no temple. There was no sanctuary because it was destroyed and it brought to the ground. How many people can come back to their house and wonder where did it once go? Where did it happen? I would imagine tonight if you got to the house and one of your children wasn't with you, you would notice very quickly. But how many times do we go home and don't notice that the Lord has left us? Many of them came home and didn't realize that the spirit had departed. They were trying to find out which way when to set everybody. It changed a lot of people for good. It got a hold of them really good. But how many people said, which way? I didn't even know it left. Where did it happen? Where did it go? What happened? Where did it go? Jehoshaphat had no business pairing himself with Ahab. Absolutely no business mixing with some other faith or understanding or some carnal idea or motives or agendas. And if you're listening to me tonight and you hear the flesh a lot louder than you ever hear the spirit, God it still has a place for you to go back to where you once were, to go back to that one place. And man, he's a God of new beginnings. He's a God that passes away old things and makes all things become new. The Bible tells us I was sick a little while back. Yeah, oh Jesus. And I'm not saying I'm as sick as I've ever been, but I was we- it was weird. I was sick. I wasn't hungry. I didn't understand what was going on in my body. It was, re- it was very strange. But then one day I hadn't ate in probably two, a little over two days, and I felt this, I had no appetite. I didn't care. I was fixing my kids' food. I was going, oh. Can't even smell that. I just I don't know what it was. But then about two and a half days later, I guess it was. I felt this pain right here, and I was going, "What is that?" And I eventually began to say, "It's got to be hunger pains." But I'm not hungry, so I said, "Well, I'll go to the best place I know in town, Chick Fil A." So I went in there, and against my better judgment, I didn't get a chicken sandwich, or I didn't get chicken nuggets, or. I got chicken soup, chicken noodle soup, and I, as soon as I started eating it, I started feeling better. And I said, my goodness, what was going on? It was not feeding myself, not feeding what needed to happen because I had no appetite for it. I had no wanting for it. I had no longing to do anything to do with eating. And I just, but I knew something was wrong, and I, I tried to fix it with other things. I tried to do this and that to ignore it. I said, but it only could be I need to feed my body. I need to feed something in here. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 13, he says, the parable of the seed. He says that some of the seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. He goes on in verse 22 to explain. He says, they also to receive the seed among thorns is he that heareth the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word, 
and become unfruitful. The Bible doesn't say it was a field of thorns, as you would think of a field of thorns. Because the Bible tells us they sprang up. When they began to spring up, they began to choke the word. Because what was being fed, they were not feeding their self. And it choked them out. Sometimes it's something about this day that tries to rob us of any appetite we have for the, the hungers and things of God. It's something about this world and the distractions that are at every hand and every turn and every store and every job and everything that we do that try to choke us out. That's why it's so important not to have stuff planted underneath that you have not dealt with at the feet of Jesus Christ. And I have been here just a few months. I have been around and I have saw some of you. Some of you that I'd have in my face, in my head right now are not here tonight. But I have watched the spirit move on you. And looking for, and I could see it happen and swirl around you. But you decided not today. That was your breakthrough in the things God was trying to bring you. And God has, begin, has, been, has, has been showing you some things in this house. There's things going on in your body that you, didn't under, you don't understand what's happening. They've never happened before. But God is trying to show you just like he showed me you're trying to fix things but what you really need is to feed the spirit God is trying to show you you're gasping for air you're gasping for something your body your spirit cannot make it because you have neglected that one thing the calling of God is still there ah, can I say it again the calling of God is still there he is not a God that should repent. He is not. He is not. The gifts of callings of God are without repentance. But what he sent me to tell you is that there is things going on in your body that you don't understand. But the spirit is trying to talk to you. Could it be one last time? He's already tried many times. Now he has to get your attention with the body because we know what's Something's wrong with our body. Something's off today. Something's hurting. Something's, some, something's not moving right. Could it be we're choking? Hebrews tells us that these thorns, the earth which drinketh in the rain, which cometh upon it, and bringeth forth herbs to meet for them, by whom it is dressed, receive the blessing of God. But he, that which beareth thorns and briars, is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. If the crucifixion ever taught us anything, it would teach us that when Jesus was having his lungs locking up on that cross, gasping for the last bit of air that he could have, if it teaches us anything tonight, and if I can get a hold of somebody's mind right now, that you need the Holy Ghost to resurrect that thing. You need the Holy Ghost to move in your life and in your body. Let him talk to us just for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, thank you, Lord. Precious name. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bring us back to a place of remembrance. Bring us back to a place of remembrance. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 He can fix it tonight. Uh, just one moment in his presence and fix months and years of things that we've been trying to do with other stuff. But if we just feed it one time, if you just give it to him one moment, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's not walk back into our house and say, wonder if the spirit's there. Let's know without a shadow of a doubt when we walk in those doors, it's going to be in our children's bedroom. It's going to be in our bedroom and in our kitchen. It's going to be sitting around our table and going with us to the places of jobs and schools. That's what the spirit is. He is the everlasting father. When I walk into schools he's my mighty God when I don't know what to do he's my prince of peace when I don't know what to say he's my wonderful counselor <laughs> I'm coming to a close we've seen Samson had a place out Eli there was a place to come back but there is one day that's coming that those are going to wake up without the spirit and there's no second chance. There's no way out. If we've learned anything in which we can learn many things from the story of Noah, repentance, baptism, the resurrection, the Holy Ghost, the last days, the signs. If we know all of that, then we should surely know when the door shuts. It is shut. I am not by any means trying to scare or be anything like that tonight. I am just saying what the Lord wanted me to say tonight. But he is saying tonight that there is a day coming that there were grace will stop. There is a day coming where he would say you should have known better. There is a day coming when he says you've sat in thousands of services. There is a day coming when he says you should have done what I asked you to do. Second Thessalonians tells us that the mystery of iniquity doth already work in the world right now. It is already here and it's already happening. But it's not even at full force because the church is still on this earth. He says only he who now letteth it will let until he be taken out of the way. Then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of of his mouth until the Holy Ghost be taken out of the way the, the world and the hell cannot have its full way and be at full force but I know tonight that it has not left the earth yet because I feel it all over me I feel it coming off my tongue I felt it in the prayer room last night and I felt it when I walked to this podium he's still here he's still here Stand with me this evening. All across this house, stand with me. Uh, with one mind and one accord. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you have the Holy Ghost, if you've had it for two minutes, or if you've had it for 200 years. God is wanting us to know tonight, would you let him search your heart? Would you let the only thing that's worth searching search you? That is the Holy Ghost. I don't need my mama to help me search my heart. I don't need my grandpa to help me search my heart. I need the Holy Ghost to be working in my life. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak to thee? Ah, which way would he went? I don't know if Zedekiah really knew, but he had reached a point where the flesh is taken over and he was frustrated and he was aggravated. Nothing in his life was going right. 
can one man do this to me? But the answer came. He says, you'll know when you go into the inner chamber. Jesus, I believe, spoke of this place. Book of Chronicles and Kings don't give us the end of the story. We don't know what happened of Zedekiah. But we have a pretty good idea. Jesus says, if you hear someone say he is in the desert, don't go. And if you hear him say, oh, the Lord is here in the secret chambers, he is not there. I don't want to wake up tomorrow, wake up in a state when I ask the question and can't find out which way went the Spirit from me, which way went the... I'm not even talking about you tonight living in sin. I'm talking to you tonight trying to figure out why is not everything lining up the way it should be lining up? Why is it not happening the way I think it should be happening? I don't want to wake up in the inner chamber and find out that day like Zedekiah did. I want to know right now. I want to know right now, how can I get to where you want me to go? And it can't be the way I've been doing things. Jesus is not interested in you staying the same. He's interested in you being more like him. There is no place for me to be complex. There is no place to me to, for me to coast. If I am to go on to perfection, there is no time for me to be who I've always been. Oh, what a sweet presence. Oh, what a sweet spirit. Hallelujah. If you want to pray, let's, why don't we pray around the front right now? Why don't we just talk to the Lord just for a few moments? Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you don't know what to say, say thank you, God, that you haven't forgotten me. Thank you.